0: Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes, I am so glad you are here. This is a weekly podcast with new episodes every Sunday and Monday morning. The inspiration for this podcast was a desire to talk about things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. You are listening to a Sunday morning sobriety episode, where we explore all aspects of physical and emotional sobriety. It's important to note that I am not an expert or the final word on this topic. I created this series to share my experience, strength, and hope with anyone on the journey of physical or emotional sobriety. After listening to this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a monthly donation by clicking the link in my Instagram bio, at Love Letters and Mixtapes, or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode. So if you are on a journey of physical or emotional sobriety, whatever that looks like for you, whether that is rehab or long-term recovery or 12-step recovery, maybe it's seeing a therapist or abstinence or harm reduction. There's this one question that keeps popping up. People just keep asking it of us. And it's interesting because so many people in our lives ask this question. Our family members, our kids, our partners, our friends, our bosses and co-workers, even strangers ask us this question. And it's also really interesting because it doesn't matter which group you fall into, whether you're an alcoholic or a drug addict or you identify as someone with substance use disorder, whether it's codependency or sex addiction or food addiction or gambling. This question is the common thread that we all hear over and over and over again. And we never really have an answer. Sometimes we try to make one up, but it's a really hard question to answer, and yet it keeps getting asked of us. And that question is, what is wrong with you? We hear that more than we hear anything else. Everyone asks it of us. And in those moments when people are looking at us with frustration and fear and anxiety and disappointment, anger, resentment, and they say, what is wrong with you? We've obviously done something to bring that situation to a head, and it's probably not the best moment to answer. And I think sometimes we do try to give an answer because we just want to get out of the discomfort. But those answers never really satisfy. I mean, how can we answer that? We don't even know what's going on with us half the time. We think we do, and we probably come up with a laundry list of things around us that have to change in order for us to be okay. But we're not 100% sure about what is going on inside. And so somebody looking at us and saying, what is wrong with you? We're probably not even interpreting it correctly in the moment, right? Something I talk about on this podcast a lot is distorted perception. And that's not just about what we experience, it's about what we feel and what we hear and what we see. And so we can't even really hear what's going on when that question is being asked. For most of us, we probably get really defensive, maybe even angry or resentful, maybe ashamed because we feel like someone is looking at us and not saying what you're doing is wrong. We feel like they're looking at us and saying who you are is wrong. Whether that's the intention or not, that just might be how we're hearing it. And I wanted to unpack that question a little bit today, both from the perspective of the person asking it and the person being asked of it, because I think it's really helpful, especially if you are new on either side of the journey if you're listening to this program and you have a loved one or a friend who is struggling with their substance use or addiction and you're confused and you're thinking what is wrong with this person why can't they just stop or if you're on the other side of it and you're the person who's struggling with your substance use or your behavior and someone is looking at you and asking this question and you're just thinking to yourself I just want to get out of this moment i just want to get out of the discomfort i have no idea what's wrong with me i think it's everyone else's fault i think the whole world is against me but i'm not really sure how i fit into the picture so looking at it from both of those perspectives can be really helpful because i think that there is an emotional and an intellectual and conversational disconnect in these moments. And that makes perfect sense. It's totally healthy and normal to be looking at someone who is in the throes of addiction and not understanding why they're doing what they're doing. It doesn't make any sense. And it's also perfectly understandable to be in the throes of addiction and not understand what is going on with you or how to stop or how to make it better or how to stay that way. I think that when we are in these situations, it's really important to honor what's actually happening on both sides of the spectrum. So let's unpack that for a second. When we are in out-of-control situations, it's a very healthy and normal reaction to try to exert control by any means necessary. Because if we feel that we are not in a physical or emotionally safe space, we want to create that. We want to bring the equilibrium back. So we almost want to meet force with force in some way. But what is actually happening? We all have different coping mechanisms. We're all perceiving the situation differently. And we are all motivated by different things. So what does that mean? Think about someone who would fall into the category of normie. And normie is the word that is used sometimes in 12-step programs for people who are sober. So someone who can have a drink and it doesn't bother them. Someone who's not acting out sexually or not gambling or not overeating. Someone who is not experiencing what we're experiencing. So what motivates them? The people that fall into that category are generally pretty consequence-averse. They don't want something bad to happen, so they try to do all the things that would prevent that bad thing from happening. And we might think to ourselves, well, isn't everyone like that? No. If you are in the other category, whether that is alcoholism, drug abuse, and you almost might think, well, aren't they kind of the same? Absolutely not. They are not the same. And it's really important to take a moment and to think about what that means. So I know that that can be really challenging. If you're feeling like, my loved one is just harming me, they've stolen from me, or they're driving drunk, or there's other things happening in our relationship, why can't they just stop? Why can't they just get in line? What is wrong with them? Take a moment to pause and think about what I'm mentioning here. You are naturally very consequence-averse, and your loved one is reward-sensitive. That's why if someone is in the throes of addiction, they can go all day, every day, nonstop, no matter what the consequences are. And we look at that, and we think, that doesn't make any sense. You must be doing this for some moral reason, right? You're acting out because you are selfish, or you're mean, or you don't care about anyone else. And all of these things that we are using to try to categorize this behavior based on our own motivations. The only way I would ever behave the way you're behaving is if I was trying to harm someone. And that's something to really keep in mind and think about in these moments of, is that how I'm trying to understand and interpret their behavior to make sense of it? But what's actually going on in this person's mind, my loved one, the one who I'm watching harm themselves? They are reward motivated. So whatever the quote unquote drug of choice is, that is a reward. So they will go and try to obtain that and maintain that by any means necessary. And that doesn't make sense to us. And when I'm sharing this, it's really perfectly understandable. If you're listening to me and you're thinking, oh, you're making excuses for terrible behavior and that just won't work for me. I'm actually not making excuses, but what I am trying to do is to increase the understanding to decrease the resistance and the frustration, because some of our tools may not be working in these situations. If over and over again, we are demanding that our loved one behave and think and act the way we would in these situations, but they are struggling with addiction, and we continue to do that, we're not only harming the relationship. Maybe we're not helping them at all, but we're also really not helping ourselves. And that's the key thing, because it's not about saving or fixing the other person. It's about maintaining your serenity and your sanity in these situations. And on the other hand, if we're looking at someone who's begging us to stop doing something and we can't understand why they keep coming to us and asking us to stop something that we feel like we simply cannot stop doing, that causes a massive disconnect as well. I think it's really important to be gentle with ourselves on this journey, no matter who we are, no matter if we're the person who wants someone to stop or the person who isn't stopping. It's important to remember that our reaction and our responses, they feel right at the time and we're trusting them because we don't think that our emotions would betray us. But it is also really important to recognize That in highly emotionally charged situations, we can misinterpret things. And we can think that the adrenaline pumping through our veins means something other than it does. And it can feel perfectly true and right for us. And we cannot be understanding the situation in a way that is beneficial to us. That means demanding that a loved one stop doing what they're doing without any understanding of what is happening on the inside. What that's like medically, what that's like scientifically, what that's like emotionally and saying, why can't you be like me? And it's the other person looking at them and saying, how can you possibly ask me to stop doing this thing? It is the only thing keeping me alive right now. And if you've been in addiction long enough, When someone asks you to stop doing what you're doing, it's almost like they're asking you to murder your best friend because whatever it is, whether it's alcohol, drugs, sex, food, other people, that drug of choice, and I have mixed feelings about that term, but that drug of choice has been with you through everything, That drug of choice has been there when people walked out on you, when people hurt your feelings, when you were resentful, when you were scared, when you were lonely. And so when someone says, just stop, sometimes it's like, how do I stop this thing that is the only thing keeping me alive right now? So me talking about this is not saying one person is right and one person is wrong. It's about expanding the understanding that we are not having the same experience. And I bring that up because very often when I'm having conversations about addiction or substance use with people who are not very familiar with it, but have big opinions about it, this comes up a lot. And they say, no, 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 you don't understand. If someone wanted to stop, they would. And so I don't try to fight anyone, but I am trying to. Share that that's not really how it works. And again, that brings us back to that consequence averse versus reward motivated, and that we're not having the same experience. So we can be belligerent, and that goes for both parties and say, This is the way it is. Why can't everyone see it from my point of view? And that actually might feel good for a moment to stomp our foot and say no this is the way it has to be but how does that help us in the long run does that expand our understanding does it strengthen our emotional tools does it help preserve the relationship with the person in my life does it help me to understand and identify boundaries or does it cross those boundaries where i am telling another person what they need to do to survive although i've never walked a day in their shoes So these are really important questions, but they're hard questions, especially when we have big feelings. And I have a lot of people in my life who simply don't believe in addiction. They just don't think it's a thing. They think it's a moral failing. And you can't fight someone about that. All I can do is continue to share what I know and what I experienced and try to spread empathy and understanding. And I get it. And I get how that could be someone's response and reaction. But I also think it's really important to maybe take a step away from asking that question that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Stop relying on what is wrong with you. And maybe step back and start looking into the science of addiction and what is actually happening. Could you imagine Someone on their deathbed, you standing above them, shaking them and saying, what is wrong with you? Explain it to me. You would never do that. So why do we do that with people who are absolutely suffering in addiction? Why do we expect them to talk us into a space of understanding or to talk themselves out of it? That doesn't really make sense and I don't believe it really works. But what we can do if we are the loved one who's really struggling is, we can do research we can read about this we can join a group we can ask questions we can go to therapy we can do all of these things for ourselves by ourselves the other person does not have to participate and we can invest in our understanding and knowledge of what is happening and invest in our understanding and knowledge of our response and why we are reacting the way we're reacting and maybe pick up some other tools that might serve us better. Because again, that lashing out or those frothy emotional appeals, as the big book likes to say, those can feel really satisfying in the moment, right? Because we're getting our emotions out. Everything that is welling up inside of us can come flying out. But who does that help? Is that helping our loved one? Is it helping us? Is it preserving our boundaries? Is it actually harming us? And I know that if you are knee deep in that situation and that is going on in your home, this is the last thing you want to hear. I know it was the last thing I wanted to hear when it was going on in my home. I didn't want someone telling me that the solution wasn't to just dump a loved one off at AA and have them fix them. That wasn't the solution. But some of the solutions that were offered to me was a deeper understanding of the dynamics and what's actually happening, not what I can do to save the other person. And I love that. I love that no one encouraged me to ever do that. Everyone encouraged me to pour my energy back into myself, to take care of myself, to make sure that I had what I needed, that if I was depleted, that I wasn't pouring from an empty cup. And I think that that's a really important message, even when we don't wanna hear it. I work with newcomers in both programs or actually multiple programs. So I can tell you that it's a really challenging concept at first, but it can be very helpful in the long run because as intoxicating as it can be to think that we can save another person, that's not why we're here. And I just want to remind you, if you're listening and you're concerned about your loved one, that's not why you're here. You have a bigger purpose in your life, and it's not about saving someone else. And maybe the best way that we can take care of ourselves, our community, and others is by ensuring that we have a deep emotional tool bag and that we're using all of those tools. And again, that we're not pouring from an empty cup. You know, there's a helpful story that you hear a lot in therapy or support groups or 12 step groups. And that is what are the instructions that they give you on an airplane when the pressure drops, they tell you to pull down your air mask and put it on yourself first, no matter who is sitting next to you, no matter if it's a child, no matter if it's an elderly person, you take care of yourself first so that you can show up for yourself and for others. And that's what we're talking about here. It's about bringing the focus back to you and what you need in these moments instead of putting that on someone else, telling them what they need to do, or depleting yourself completely and being unable to show up in your own life. And I think that that's been helpful. I've done it in my own life. I've struggled against it in my own life. But I do think it's important to share and to talk about and to go through the whole range of emotions. Resistance is really important, and it's not this anomaly that sometimes we think it is. Resistance and healing is key to healing. So if you're hearing messages that you don't agree with, that is incredible. You know what that means? That means you're learning and growing and opening yourself up, and we're not always going to hear the message we want. Sometimes we hear the message we need, and it's awful, (laughs) and we don't want to listen to it, and that's great. So I hope that I covered the topic that I began this episode with, and we can step away from those questions of what is wrong with you, whether that's in our daily lives or when we're dealing with a loved one who's struggling with some kind of addiction. We have other tools available to us, and I just wanted to remind everyone of that. So until next week. Make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Before you close out of this episode, be sure to leave a rating or like it on whatever platform you listen to it on. If you enjoy the content that is focused on Sunday morning sobriety, I have a whole playlist on Spotify that is dedicated to the 12 steps. And you can find that on my personal Spotify account at Love Letters and Mix tapes And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider making a monthly donation to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode.